we are on the sixth juz, and this is Surah Al-Ma'idah, Surah number five. And I just recited the last part of the eleventh verse. The last part of the eleventh verse. So tonight we're inshallah ta'ala going to focus on this and try to finish uh, the sixth juz tonight. So as I... Basically, the rest of the six shows, I will just give you a summary. The rest of the six shows, uh, which is going to be all on Surah Al-Ma'idah, is, again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be talking a lot about the Jews and Christians uh, in the historical Jewish and Christian communities at the time of the Prophet Wasallam, And secondly, the historical Jews and Christians, the original Jews, early Jews, then the Jews at the time of the advent of Christianity, then the early Christians, so basically the entire history history of Jewish and Christian communities up to and including the Jewish and Christian communities at the time of the Prophet Now a lot of that remains applicable in certain ways uh, to Jews and Christians after the time of the Prophet up till today and some aspects of it are specific uh, to those historical communities. Alright? Uh, so I will not be repeating anything in terms of commentary uh, that we already explained in many verses that we've already touched upon that came in Surah Baqarah and Ali Imran in particular about the Ahl Kitab. And tonight what I'm going to do is illustrate and take uh, Surah Al-Ma'idah to illustrate another important thing, which I did do a little bit before, but I'm going to try to highlight that more tonight, inshallah, is that whatever Allah subhanahu wa is saying to the Ahl Kitab or about the Ahl Kitab, whether they're Jews or Christians, whether the earliest ones or the ones who were uh, at the time of the Prophet sallallahu all of it has some lesson for us. Sometimes that lesson is literal and directly explained. Sometimes that lesson is more symbolic and figurative and requires some interpretation. One, and broadly speaking, I will just explain it this way and then we'll inshallah begin, is that first and foremost we want to learn and not make the same mistakes that earlier religious communities made. Second, we need to try to study and analyze from Qur'an why it was that they made those mistakes because we are as human as they are and we are in as much danger of making mistakes as they were. Second, there will be some things that Allah mentions in a way that you can say that they did correctly. 
and also some things that had they done that, they would have been successful. And all of that is an ishara for us also, is an indicator for us also, how we can be successful in terms of how we can honor the Qur'an, the Kitab, the scripture that was given to us, and how we can honor Sayyidina Rasulullah the Prophet that was sent to us. Because a lot of it, you know, so there are two aspects of you know what Allah Subhanahu wa says to the Ahl Kitab. One aspect is that they're not honoring the new scripture, Quran al-Karim, and the new prophet, the final and last prophet, Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa But a second aspect of what he says to them is that they're not truly honoring their own kitab that they believe in. So the Jews are not truly honoring the Torah and the Christians are not truly honoring the Injil. Nor are they truly following the Prophet that they believe in. So the Jews aren't truly following the path of Musa and the Christians aren't truly following the path of Nabi Isa And obviously because there was a level of tahrif or a level of change or deviation from their own scripture and their own Prophet, that is why then they weren't they're not, the majority of them were not able to accept the new scripture of Quran al-Karim and the new prophet Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam. Alright, so now let us begin. So again, tonight, and I try to repeat this every night, we are just uh, doing a very summary translation and commentary of selected verses in every juz so that at least in this month of Ramadan we can get an overview of the major themes and major topics. That said, every verse that we cover could be discussed and explained and interpreted and commented on much more at length as has been done in the Islamic scholarly tradition and the Quran commentary tradition and certainly the verses that we don't translate and select uh, they're equally uh, worthy of being being called gems and jewels and have much guidance in them and we hope that this series of you know selected uh, commentary will inspire all of us uh, to go deeper into Quran and engage ulama and scholars and the tradition of tafsir inshallah all right now the last verse of surah 11 so uh, sorry yeah the and the last phrase of verse 11, ayah 11 of Surah Al-Ma'idah, Surah number 5. So there's a historical incident uh, that will that was the original occasion for this revelation. And some of you may remember this very well from Sira, uh, that once uh, there was a non-believer at that time whose name was Ghaurith, and he set forth with the intention to try to kill Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he went in search of the Prophet وسلم, and he found him and Sayyidina Rasulullah was sitting and his sword was on his lap. So he asked this person, Ghawrith, he asked the Prophet وسلم, may I look at your sword? And the Prophet allowed him and said, okay, this is my sword. And then uh, he drew the sword and then he held it you know you can say he faced the Prophet as if he would be able to attack him and he asked Rasulullah are you afraid of me and the Prophet replied that no I'm not afraid of you at all and so he was surprised and he said you don't fear me while I have your sword in my hands and it means that I have the ability to strike you down and kill you and the Prophet Allah will protect me 
And when he heard that, he, that person, that at that moment non-believer, Gaudith, he placed the sword back into its scabbard, and he returned the sword back to Rasulullah wasallam. And then at this is one of the occasion. This is the occasion of the original revelation of this verse uh, that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala said. So I'll do the whole verse now. Ya yuladina amanu that oh you believe uthkuru nematullahi alaykum. Remember the bounty and favor and blessing that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala bestowed upon all of you. Idhamma qawman when a people a group. So this is the entire group of the kuffar. They hamma means they made a firm resolve and determination. What? So it literally means they want to extend their hands towards you. means they want to be hostile and aggression and try to kill you. Right? But Allah Ta'ala restrained. Allah Ta'ala withheld and restrained their hands from reaching you. means Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala protected you. And this was the story. Uh, and so this Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala's protection of Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is being described by Allah Ta'ala as a ni'mah, ni'matullahi alaykum, as a bounty and blessing of Allah Ta'ala on all the believers, the Sahabi Kram, radiallahu ta'ala anjumayn, again the community of believers at the time of revelation, but also the entire ummah, because they not Rasulullah survived. And this is why the verse begins by addressing Ya Ayyuhalladina Amanu. Now, the general teaching in this verse is number one is that there is a relation between taqwa and tawakkul. Taqwa and tawakkul. So, that person who adopts taqwa, that person who stays away from the disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or when they lapse due to their nafs to any disobedience they make tawbah truly and change their ways they adopt taqwa they are aware and conscious and remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala such a person will be able to place their tawakkul only and only upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so the verse begins with alladhina amnu and it ends with mu'minun and this is also one of the styles in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala one of the narrative or kalam styles of expression of Allah Ta'ala's kalam in Quran Al-Kareem uh, that sometimes Allah Ta'ala will address or describe or use the phrase Allah Amanu and then in that verse there's some attributes characteristics, sifat that will enable a person to make that journey from Allah Amanu to Mu'minun, to those who profess belief to becoming the believers right, so that's the best way I can try to have you understand this in English, Allah Amanu are those who profess belief, those who adopt belief, those who accept belief, those who begin the journey of belief, and al-mu'minun are the believers, those who are established on iman, those who are the embodiments of iman, those who are walking, living, breathing iman, means they have nafs iman, the core elements of belief, but now they also have the sifat, the attributes of iman, the a'mal, the actions of iman, the ahwal, the states of iman, those people are called al-mu'minun. So then the two, what are the two attributes mentioned here? Taqwa and tubakkul. So the person who has taqwa will be able to have tawakkul. And what happens is if a person does not have a good connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, means they weren't obeying Allah ta'ala, they were letting themselves lapse into sin, they're heedless and forgetful of Allah ta'ala, then in difficult times they find it difficult to have tawakkul. They cannot trust and rely upon Allah ta'ala. And that's where they enter They enter in anxiety. I'm not talking about psychotic states of anxiety. I'm just talking about the English word anxiety. That they enter in anxiety, they become hopeless of the mercy of Allah ta'ala, they don't feel like making dua, they don't pray Salatul Hajjah, they don't turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they can't make 
tawakkul. Why? Because they didn't have taqwa. And because they were themselves distant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then their heart is not able to take the contentment and solace that a person would have gotten if they could do tawakkul upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All right. Now in verse number 12, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is actually mentioning something that He said to the Bani Israel, means the original community of Jews. But it's as if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying the same thing to us. So I begin in the second part of verse number 12. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala declared, Inni ma'akum, indeed I am with you. Means I am, am with you, my mercy is with you, my, my grace is upon you, my generous is La'in, if, only if, akamtum as-salata, uh, if you all, but this originally addressed to the Banishra, if you established the salah, wa'ataytum al-zakata, and you offer the zakah, wa'amantum bi-rusuli, and if you believe bi-rusul, plural, in all of my messengers, and you uh, assist them. You believe in all my messengers and you assist all of them. And finally, and you extend to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a loan. A beautiful, virtuous loan. Then if if a if they, if they did all that, Allah says, And surely and certainly I will remove from you. I will expiate for you. I will forgive for you. All of your evil deeds and sins. And surely and certainly I will enter you and admit you into gardens underneath which rivers flow. But whomsoever chooses to deny the truth and disbelieve despite knowing it, after that, from, from all of you, anyone who does that, that indeed that person has strayed far from the right path. So, it went, so the first thing that's interesting is that the, nation, the nature and specifics of the Salah and Zakat would have been different, but these two basic pillars were also commanded by Allah Ta'ala to the Bani Israel. And Allah SWT is reminding them that we said that to you, but in a way Allah Ta'ala is also addressing us, that if it was true for them, it's equally true, if not all the more true for us, that if Allah Ta'ala will be with us, we will get the mayat of Allah Ta'ala, if we establish Salah, offer the zakah, believe in all of the messengers, of Islam, Jamain, and this is a sadaqah, a type of sadaqah. So sometimes a person has, man, first of all, farat, to give zakah. Then there'll be money you can give in charity. Then there's money you can't give but you could part with it for some time in an interest-free loan to finance some noble work uh, and ultimately uh, it will be returned to you. So this is known as karde hasana. And this is a concept that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned in Quran al-Karim. Then in the next verse, verse 13, because the Bani Israel did not, many of them did not fulfill this covenant. So it's very interesting what Allah Subhanahu is going to say at the end of this verse, because because it, you won't expect it if you're not familiar with Quran al-Karim. And because of their breaking and violating the covenant and pledge that was taken from them, فَبِمَا نَقْدِهِمْ مِثَاقَهُمْ لَأَنَّهُمْ And I explained this to you before. Allah says that we send our la'na on them, means we cast them outside the reach of our mercy, and hence they became accursed. وَجَأَلْنَا قُلُوبَهُمْ قَاسِيَةً And we made their hearts hardened. 
made their hearts hardened means that, again, it's part of being cast outside the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is latna, and making the hearts hardened means to be cast outside the hidayah, the guidance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the heart is no longer receptive to the hidayah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? al kalima. They distort it. They distorted the sacred revelation and words, anbawadihi, from their places. So they rearrange words in their scripture. They remove sentences, change around sentences, cut and paste words to change the meaning. And the, but the next thing that they did is they forgot hadam a great amount mimma dhukiru bihi from that from those advices that they were reminded of. Then Allah says about them, "Walatazalu tatalau ala minhum," and you will not cease means you will continuously find some form of kha'ina, treachery, betrayal from them, illa kalila minhum, except for a few of them. But then Allah Ta'ala ends by saying what? Fa'fu anhum. Fa'fu anhum. That you should pardon them. You should pardon them. Wasfah. And overlook their betrayals and treacheries. Inna Allah yuhibbul muhsineen. For indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves those who adopt a virtuous, beautiful, noble, excellent behavior. So this end part is very interesting. Okay, we can understand, and this came many times already in Surah Baqarah and Surah Al-Imran, the casting outside of the mercy of Allah Ta'ala. Now I explain to you also the casting outside of the guidance of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And this is also obviously a very big crime. And again, we're being addressed also. We should not. And some, unfortunately, evil ulama or false ulama or fake scholars can also commit this crime that they try to distort the message of Quran al-Karim by misquoting it, selectively quoting it, quoting it out of context quoting it entirely but trying to place it in some type of you know, false epistemology secular liberal context so all of this uh, are things that we also have to stay away from as a community but then when Allah SWT says that you should forgive them and overlook them so what Allah SWT was doing here was He was explaining who they were and what they were doing. But Allah SWT did not want the Ummah Muslimah to have some type of hatred for them in their heart, to have some enmity for them in their heart, to try to call them out or to take them to task for this. Allah is simply informing us. But we, we should forgive it and overlook it because their matter lies with Allah SWT. And if we do that, then Allah Ta'ala will love us for being Muhsineen. And now if you just look at the last part, now extract a more general teaching from this, not specific to the Bani Israel, but more generally, is that if you forgive someone and overlook their faults, Allah Ta'ala will love you. So that's even more than Allah Ta'ala forgiving you and overlooking your faults. Allah Ta'ala will make you His mahboob. And Allah Ta'ala is describing the act of forgiving someone and overlooking their faults as asan. And that such a person will be from the muhsineen. Alright. Verse number 15, so I'm skipping 14, verse number 15, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses the alladhina amanu. And this is why Allah ta'ala intersperses, talking about al-kitab, addressing al-kitab, then addressing alladhina amanu, for what I explained in the beginning, so that the believers will realize all of this has some meaning and message and lessons for us. Ya Oh, sorry, no, verse, verse 15 is addressing the Ahl Kitab, the Aladina Amanu part is going to come later. Ya Ahl Kitabi, 
So describing the Ahlul Kitab, now addressing the Ahlul Kitab, then later will be the address to the believers. Ya Ahlul Kitabi, O people of the scripture. Indeed has come to you, all of you, our messenger. Right? And that is Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. يُبَيِّنُ لَكُمْ كَثِيرًا مِمَّا كُنْتُمْ تُخْفُونَ مِنَ الْكِتَابِ He is actually making evident and clear to you much of that which you used to conceal from the scripture. وَيَعْفُ أَنْ كَثِيرٌ And he's also pardoning. He's also pardoning and overlooking much. Allahu hmm? Akbar. So above we had that we should be pardoning to the believers. And then immediately Allah Ta'ala told the Al-Kitab that the person was being the most lenient and pardoning and overlooking and still inviting you to accept Iman is Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He's not calling you out. He's not castigating you. He's just saying that I've come with something that confirms musaddikan, confirms that which you already have. And Allah Ta'ala says again, Ja'akum min Allahi, and has come to you from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, Nurun wa kitabun mubeen. And we did this before, has come to a nur, a light, and that is Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, in kitabun mubeen, and a clear manifest book. Alright? So, in just like Sayyidina Isa Islam was referred to as a ruh from Allah Ta'ala, Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is a nur from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And if you think about it, even hearing your Quranic language, ruh is not one of the names of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, but a nur is one of the names of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. But even though Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala calls Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam nur, it doesn't mean in any, and that is one of the names of Allah Ta'ala, it doesn't mean in any way that we ascribe any sense of divinity or godhood or divine status to the Prophet he has a prophetic status and a human reality so if that is true for the Prophet whom Allah Ta'ala is referred to as Nur in Quran then it's going to be equally and all the more true for the Prophet Yani Isa who Allah Ta'ala referred to as Ruh in Quran Alright, and I'm mentioning this because some people, you know, some Christian debaters, they try to say, oh, but Isa Islam has been referred to as Ruh in the Quran, and therefore even the Quran testifies to Trinity. Allahu Akbar Kabir Allah, Alright. Now Allah SWT mentions, what is this? What is this? That Allah Ta'ala sent you a Nur and a Kitabun Mubin. يَهْدِ بِهِ اللَّهُ مَنِ اتَّبَعَ رِذْوَانَ So Allah subhanahu ta'ala guides. Allah subhanahu ta'ala guides. By means of what? By means of the Qur'an al-Kareem. By means of the Kitab al-Mabin. By means of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa who is nur. He guides. These, these were sent as a hidayah. Who? مَنِ اتَّبَعَ رِذْوَانَهُ any and every such person whose ultimate goal is to seek the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's all about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is reminding the Al-Kitab. It's not about which book and which scripture, Torah, Injil, or Quran. It's not about which prophet, Musa Isa Islam, or Muhammad It's all about seeking the pleasure of Allah ta'ala. Anybody who realizes in their heart that the purpose and goal of humanity is to seek the pleasure of Allah ta'ala, they will embrace the original true Torah and the original true Injil and accept the original and ever true and everlasting true Quran al-Kareem. They will embrace and accept as true the prophethood of Musa and Isa Islam and Muhammad sallallahu whomsoever is seeking the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it's all about the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
Subal as-salam. And then they will get paths. So Subal is a plural of Sabil. There will be paths. Paths to Salam. Paths to peace. Original Judaism. Original Christianity. Islam in its original everlasting true form. Paths to peace. So many different prophets. Hmm? They will understand that because they're seeking the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah Ta'ala will take out any and every such person who is seeking his pleasure in the paths of peace from the darknesses and oppressions of their ignorance or injustice or loneliness and so many means, so many meanings of darkness. Ila nur, ila an-nur, to the nur, the nur of salam, the nur of hidayah, the nur of deen, the nur of being on haq, right? Because the hidayah from Allah Ta'ala is singular. It's always the same hidayah. That's why it's referred to as an-nur. But the ways of going astray, and being disobedient are multiple. That's why it's in plural zulumat. Bi'idhnihi with the permission of warrant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. him and he will guide every such person. Ila and the famous words. Ila sirat mustaqim To the straight way and the straight path. So this one ayah is a beautiful summary. These two uh, verses 15-16 is a beautiful summary of the core of all that's been happening. Surah Baqarah, Surah Al-Imran up till now and even Onward and from Al-Maida about Al-Kitab. This two verses is a beautiful summary of all of that. Alright? And again, it's a lesson for us also. That we are also wanting to seek the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we want the path of peace. And we want to be taken out from Zulmat. And we want to enter Nur. And we want Hidayah. And we want Surat al-Mustaqim. Everything is there in these two ayahs. Alhamdulillah, may Allah ta'ala grant each and every one of us all of this. And may Allah ta'ala grant Hidayah to all of humanity to accept all of this. Verse number 17. Uh, then comes Allah Subhanahu and I wanted to. Because I know I've talked about the topic before, because the words here though are very poignant uh, and rich. I wanted to highlight this that Allah Subhanahu again in verse 17 negates the concept of Nabi Isa in any sense being a deity, and then Allah Subhanahu says very strongly. To, to explain the hu- humanity and the aspect of being the creation, both of Nabi Islam and his blessed noble mother, Sayyidina Maryam Anha, who you remember earlier already in Quran, Allah said that he's chosen her and preferred her above all of the women. But Allah says at the same time, what? Qul, proclaim to them, beloved Nabi Kareem, sallallahu alayhi that who has any power, who has any power against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, over Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to deter Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in any way? Who has any power? What? In arada an yuhlik al-Masih ibn Maryam. If Allah were, were Allah ta'ala to intend to destroy Yuhlik literally means to destroy Al-Masiha, the Messiah in Isa Islam, Ibn Maryam, the son of Maryam, Wa Ummahu and his mother, Wa Manfil Ardi Jamia, and any and every one who is on the earth, in the earth, Jamia entirely. Hmm? So this is Allah saying, this is Allah's power. How can you ascribe divinity to anyone or everyone or all of humanity or Maryam Ridalana or even Isa alayhi salam? No, they're all creation. They're all subject to the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And were Allah ta'ala ever to desire to destroy 
them and everyone who could stop, who could have power, to, to, uh, who could avert this decision and irada of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No, walillahi mulku samawati wal ardi. To Allah ta'ala alone belongs the dominion and sovereignty and power over all of the samawat and the ard. Wa ma bainuhuma and every single thing that exists between them. Yakhluku ma yasha'u. And He creates whatsoever He wants. Wallahu ala kulli shay'in qadir. And indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is absolutely all powerful over each and every single thing. So this, this passage of verse 17 is very powerful language. And again, it makes it all clear. All clear. And if you take it in context before of what has come in Quran, Allah Ta'ala has loved and praised Sayyidina Maryam anha, and Nabi Isa tremendously. But this passage and this verse 17, Surah Al-Ma'idah Surah 5, is pointing out that there's still creation. They're still subject to the might and power and dominion and sovereignty of Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala as we all are, as every human being is. All right, and this also then highlights the tawheed of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, the oneness and unicity and uniqueness of His Majesty, Might, Power, Dominion, and Rule. All right, now they are. I, I'm going to uh, a lot of verses. I'm going to skip now because they talk about the Ahl Kitab, but most of those topics we've covered there's a few things here about Nabi Musa which we will cover in our other series which is the Dua of the Prophets in Quran and understanding their humanity and humility so I will talk about a few of these verses especially the Duas of Nabi Musa when we uh, do that series that we will do tomorrow inshallah verse 30 Verse 30, there's a general teaching. Again, there's a specific context, but now, uh, just to go faster, I won't mention uh, the historical context behind this. Uh, simply, I just say very quickly, it's a story from 27 onward about the two sons of Nabi Adam, salam, and if you remember, this one son killed the other son. All right? Uh, so, Kabil, he killed Habil. All right? Now, what prompted him to do so? So this is verse 30. فَتَوَّعَتْ لَهُ نَفْسُهُ فَتَوَّعَتْ لَهُ نَفْسُهُ فَتَوَّعَتْ means prompted. What prompted him? His nafs. What prompted him to kill his brother? His nafs. His nafs prompted him. His nafs seduced him into doing it. To do what? قَتْلَ أَخِيهِ To kill his own brother. فَقَتَلَهُ And therefore he killed his brother. And he became from those who are in absolute loss and destitute. So now the sequence, a very short ayah. And this is also, you should understand that sometimes Allah Ta'ala reveals short ayahs that has its own power. It's like clipped. It's intense. That, ta-ta-ta, right? The nafs seduced him, he killed, and he became from the khasirin. Boom, boom, boom. That's the feeling, the shortness of the Arabic eyes trying to give. And this is the nature of the nafs. So this one to extract this. This is the first human sin, major sin on earth, right? Because Nabi Adam Islam, I've already covered this before, was a Nabi, he's masoom, pure, pristine, immaculate, free from sin. So the very next human, Amahawa, also pure. And the third humans were these, the two sons. All right? So one son killed his, his brother. Why? His nafs, his nafs, his nafs. So this is what we have to realize. This is the danger of our nafs. The nafs can seduce us, delude us, deceive us, prompt us, instigate us. 
into an act of evil. And when it does that, we do it instantly. فَقَتَلَهُ Immediately after he killed. Hmm? He committed the act of murder. And then what happens immediately after that? Immediately after you give in to the seduction and deception and instigation of the nafs, we end up amongst the khasirin. We end up in complete abject and utter loss. Hmm? We make dua that Allah Ta'ala protect us from our nafs, maybe discipline our nafs, maybe make this nafs into a nafs mutminna, maybe make most use of Ramadan, because Ramadan is a month where Allah Ta'ala makes us train against our nafs by staying away from even lawful desires so that we are trained how to stop the unlawful desires of the nafs like Allah Ta'ala says elsewhere in Quran and that person who remembers uh, and fears the day that they will stand in front of their Rabb and they're able to stop the nafs from its whims and fancies. Alright, verse number 35, another general teaching. And this is now uh, the. Ya ayuhaladina amanu. Ya ayuhaladina amanu takullaha wabtahu ilayhil wasilata wa jahudu fi sabilihil allakum tuflihun. So this is the first time this particular phrasing has come. So all you who have adopted Iman, number one, you should have ittakullaha, fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that we've explained many times already. But now another thing, wabtahu ilayhil wasila, and seek a wasila. Seek a means to become closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So taqwa is a feeling of the heart. Right? A fear of love, of consciousness and awareness. And wasila is going to be some practical action. So that's telling us you have the feeling of taqwa, but then act upon it. Make use of some means, some asbab, take a wasila. So in one sense, all a'mala salah is a wasila. Any action you do, good behavior you do, good character, good virtue, good deed, kindness, charity, ibadat, akhlaq, Khidmat, Dawa, all of these things are a wasila. All of these things are a wasila. The entire deen, every single thing in the Quran, Sunnah, and Sharia teaches us and guides us in terms of practical action, practical feelings, practical inter- interpersonal behavior. All of that is al wasila. All of that is al wasila. Then, wajahidu fi sabilihi. Wajahidu fi sabilihi. So what does this mean? So it literally it means strive. And here it's not, this is one of the verses where it's not only coming in the meaning of kital or physically engaged in battle. It's generally being used at strive. You have to make mujahada. Jahidu make mujahada. Strive hard. Against the nafs. Strive hard. Endure hardship. Persevere. Make sacrifices. Make commitment. Be dynamic. In the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the path of seeking His pleasure, the path of His obedience, the path of submission, the path of service of deen. So that you may ultimately triumph and be successful in this mission of life on earth and be ultimately triumphant and successful in the Day of Judgment. So there are three things here. Taqwa, number two, Ibtigha, seeking wasila, practical means. And number three, jahidu, perseverance, enduring struggle. You know, and a lot of us, we don't get past it. The very first thing is, Allah dina amanu. 
and this is a very good way to explain who are the Aladina Amanu. It's not enough just to have Iman. We have to have taqwa, we have to be practical, dynamic, and we have to be ready to do some mujahada also to endure hardship and only then will be successful. And to whatever extent we are la- lacking in the taqwa or in the seeking the wasila, practical action or mujahada, then there's a danger we'll be less successful. So alhamdulillah again in Ramadan, Allah Ta'ala gives us tawfiq from his karam and fazl to be strong. We're taking the wasila of Ramadan, of the fasting, of taraweeh, of more ibadat, and we're taking the wasila of Quran al-Kareem and more recitation and more understanding of Quran al-Kareem and we're trying to seek the pleasure of Allah Subhanahu and for many of us, fasting is a mujahada, right? Is an act of enduring one month long exercise and struggle, right? To attain the path of the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we make the Allah ta'ala continue uh, giving us tawfiq and hidayat to adopt wasila and to do mujahada for his sake. Okay, verse 44. Verse 44 I want to highlight because it actually, this verse and similar verses actually give us an understanding of ulama. And many people don't understand this aspect of Qur'an al-Kareem and they feel that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala negatively comments about the rabbis or the Christian clergy or the monks uh, that there's no concept whatsoever of clergy, monks, rabbis in Islam. So the truth is not, that's not entirely true. There is a concept of classes of people that Allah Ta'ala Himself mentioned in Quran. So for example, the word ulama is in Quran. Allah Ta'ala said, Hal Can those who know, who have ilm, ever be considered equal to those who don't have ilm? means no, there's a distinction. There's a fazila. There's a, a higher rank status according to those who have knowledge. The word awliya is mentioned in Quran. The word muqarrabun is mentioned in Quran. The word siddiqin is mentioned in Quran. So there are a notion, there is many, many places and many words and verses and passages in Quran al that make two things clear. One is that there are people who are endowed with knowledge. Partly they may have sought it and studied. Tafakku fiddin, that's also in Quran. Rasukhuna fiddin, that's also in Quran. And they may have also gotten a knowledge bestowed upon them from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a knowledge from the behalf of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And second, is there people of virtuous piety, practice? They're called salihin, muttaqin, sadiqin, siddiqin, mukhlisin, muqarrabin, it's awliya, etc. And such type of people, so I would just call this knowledge and spirituality, have existed in earlier communities, in Jews and Christians. Alright? And so this is the perfect verse for you to under, for us to understand this aspect. So this is verse number 44, Surah Al-Maidah, Surah number 5. Inna anzalna torata fiha hudaw wa nur. Allah says, indeed we, Allah Ta'ala, did reveal the Torah. So it is a revealed scripture. Fiha and what is in that Torah? In that Torah is Hudawm wa Nur, with Hidayah, with guidance and Nur and light. Yahkumu biha, and they judged matters by it. Who judged matters by that Torah, which was Huda and Nur? An Nabiyuna Ladina Aslamu, the prophets who had submitted to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. لِلَّذِينَ hadu, They judged by the means of the Torah. For who? For those who were the Jews. 
Okay? So the prophets who submitted to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala judged by means of the Torah. Which Torah? That Torah which was revealed by Allah ta'ala. Number one. Number two had Khuda, had a, was a book of guidance. And number three was Nur. And who did they judge for? They judged Lilladina Hadu. They judged for the sake of the Jews. All right. Now, وَرَبَّانِيُّونَ وَالْأَحْبَارُ وَرَبَّانِ yuna wal ahbaru. This is, those of you who study Arabic grammar, this is atafan nabiyun. Means there's two more people who judged on the basis of the Torah that was revealed and had guidance and nur in it. And they judged on the basis of that for the sake of the Jews. Who are the other two? Rabbani yun and ahbar. To Rabbani yun. Yes, you can translate it in one sense as rabbi. But Rabbani yun means the spiritual Sadiqeen, Salihin of that community. And the Ahbar means the scholars, the ulama of that community. Why did they do that? Because they were entrusted as the legatees of the prophets. They bore the legacy of the prophets. They were entrusted of the scripture of Allah Ta'ala. In their case it was Torah. So this verse is explaining this is the same thing that the awliya and ulama, the shayukh and the ulama are supposed to do today. That they have been entrusted with the knowledge in the case of the ulama of the book, Qur'an al-Kareem. And they've been entrusted with the feelings in the case of the awliya, the Qur'an al-Kareem. And what are they supposed to do? With this trust, they're supposed to judge and settle manners and guide the ummah on the basis of that. وَقَالُوا alayhi shuhada, And indeed, these Rabbaniyun and ahbar these spiritual and intellectual people, were the shuhada, the witnesses, to the Torah. Witnesses to what? That it was revealed by Allah Ta'ala and had guidance and had nur and was the means of guidance and to be used to guide and judge between people. فَلَا nasa. So don't fear people. ni, But fear me, Allah Ta'ala says. In other words, sometimes the Jews at that time were not telling people. There were some even Rabbaniyun and Ahbar at the time of the Prophet who knew Quran to be true, the Prophet true, but weren't, they weren't telling the, their community because the way the community will be upset with them. So they were telling them, "Wala taqshon nasa, don't be afraid of the people. Waqshoni, but fear Allah subhanahu wa taala." Same thing is true for the ulama, awliya, ulama, shuk of today. They must tell people the truth of what's in the Quran and Sunnah and Sharia, and they should not be afraid what their congregants will say, what the community will say, what the society will say, what the government will say. They should only fear Allah subhanahu wa taala. وَلَا تَشْتَرُوا بِآيَاتِ ثَمَنًا قَلِيلًا And it means that for the sake of people, for the sake of honor with them, respect in them, or even financial compensation from them, don't trade. Don't trade your scholarly and spiritual understanding or ulama and awliya or religious scholars and spiritual elites. Don't trade that for these things. وَلَا تَشْتَرُوا Do not sell بِآيَاتِ In exchange for the verses of my revelation that Allah is saying, ثَمَنًا قَلِيلًا Don't exchange that for a paltry sum. So this is being said to them, but it's also put in Quran so that our ummah and the ulama and awliya of our ummah also understood. And whomsoever, now general universal teaching, whomsoever does not decide and judge on the basis of what Allah Ta'ala has revealed, that indeed those people are Basically, through the act of refusing to judge by it, are 
tantamount to having denied its truth and adopted disbelief. Hmm? Very strong ayah. Very strong ayah of Quran al-Kareem. Surah Ma'idah, Surah 5, verse number 44. We make dua that Allah Ta'ala uh, preserve and honor and protect all of the ulama and salihin of this ummah. And may He give each and every one of them even greater tawfiq to guide people on the basis of the Quran, Sunnah, and Sharia. And may give us, or, us ordinary people the honor to be guided uh, by their teachings and their practice and their character on the Surat al-Mustaqim. Amen. Okay, verse number 48. Verse number 48 of Surat al-Mayad, Allah subhanahu is going to talk about an aspect of humanity, right? And that is something that is, uh, you know, we've been talking about this uh, throughout this series. It's also, I think, very worth noting, you know, that the same words that Allah Ta'ala has used for Qur'an and the Prophet Sallallahu Huda and Nur, Allah Ta'ala is using it in Qur'an. He's reaching out to the Jews by acknowledging and saying, look, I sent you the Torah, the Torah is real. means Islam has not come to negate the truth of original Judaism or original Christianity. Islam has not come to negate the truth that Musa Islam and Isa Islam were prophets. Islam has not come to negate that the Torah and Jil were revealed by Allah Ta'ala. It's come to confirm them, to revive them, to unite all of humanity on the basis of the common teachings contained in all three of them, and to unite all of humanity under the banner of Sayyidina Rasulullah, someone who was accepted as a prophet by Musa Islam and Isa Islam. So it's a very, so people always, not all people, but some people focus on the harsh uh, words, so to speak, that Allah Ta'ala uses for the Ahli Kitab in Surah Baqarah, Al-Imran, Maida, etc. But they don't understand this, this aspect of it, that in much of it is actually Allah gently calling to them and, and constantly reaffirming and acknowledging. Right, and it's important because you know the majority of the Sahaba before they accepted Islam, they didn't think that Judaism Christianity was true. That's why they weren't Jews and Christians. So this is a big thing that even these communities should realize that because of Quran, because of Islam, because Allah has revealed Quran and sent the Prophet Islam, all of these jahiliya pre-Islamic. Right in the pre-Islamic age of ignorance, people they all believe now that the Injil and Torah are true, truly revealed by Allah Taala. They all believe that Musa Islam and Isa Islam are amazing people. They should have noticed that also, not just that they believe in the Quran al-Karim and the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So anyway, so I was going to do uh, 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 verse number forty-eight, right? So this is to you singular prophets and the Nasam. So this is all, keeps altering Allah Ta'ala in Quran Karim. Describing Ahl Kitab, addressing Ahl Kitab, addressing the believers, describing believers, addressing the prophets and the Nasam directly, or describing something specific to the prophets and the Nasam. And we, Allah Ta'ala says, I, Allah Ta'ala, and all my might, majesty, attributes, and my essence, my that, my essential being, revealed to you singular prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Al-Kitab, the scripture in the Quran al-Karim, bil-haqqi, with absolute truth, musaddikan lima bayna yadehi. You see what I was telling you? Confirming what all, all that came before it. Min al-Kitabi, from previous scriptural revelations, yani Torah and Injil, wa muhayminan alayhi, and as a guardian over that. How? As a guardian over previous scripture. How? As a protector over previous scripture. How? Because the Quran revived the true teachings of the Torah and Injil. The Quran 
safeguards the original true contents of the previous scriptural revelations. And therefore the Quran itself is safeguarded and preserved by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah Ta'ala's act of sending and down and revealing Quran brings about the preservation and safeguarding of the true teachings that were in the Torah and Injil because they are found in Quran and confirmed musaddiqan tasdeeq are verified and confirmed by Quran. Allahu Akbar. Fahkum. So therefore, all of you, now this is you plural, therefore all of you plural, all believers, should judge Bainahum between these Al-Kitab by means of that which Allah Ta'ala has revealed. Why? Because when you be judging between them on the basis of Quran, you're actually judging between them on the basis of the original Torah and Injil as well. Because the Quran is it come as a guardian to safeguard and to confirm that. And don't follow. Don't follow. Sorry, Wahkum was singular. So you singular Prophet judge between them, plural Ahl Kitab, by means of that which Allah has revealed to you, and Walat Tattabe, and you singular Prophet do not follow Ahwa'uhum, their vain, their vain desires, whims, and fancies. Amma Ja'aka, when Ja'aka has come to you, singular Prophet Min al Haqqi, from the Haqqi, and the truth from Quran al Okay, so Amma means don't cast aside, leaving aside, right? Uh, you know, don't follow their vain desires, leaving aside what has come to you. Alright. لِكُلِّنْ جَعَلْنَا مِنْكُمْ شِرْأَةً وَمِنْ So these are two important words that are coming here. And they, don't, they don't come very often in Qur'an. For each... Allah Ta'ala saying in Quran, for each we in the ayah Allah Ta'ala, Allah saying, Allah Ta'ala, my might, majesty attributes have made, minkum for you, shir'atan, that's from sharia, right? A sacred law, wa min haja, in a way, right? So the sharia is different in Islam, was different in Christianity, was different in Judaism, and a certain manhaj or minhaj, a certain temperament, if you will, right? A personality of the Sirat al-Mustaqim, the certain temperament of the Sirat al-Mustaqim, a different lane with different features and different feelings in Sirat al-Mustaqim. That's the best way I can try to explain this to you in English. Alright? So Allah Ta'ala has made it multiple. Multiple. So the Sharia and the Torah and the Sharia and the Jil and is different. And, you know, the, the character that a human being would have if they followed pure Christianity and followed Islam purely, they would have been a noble character but it would have a slightly different style so to speak, a different manhaj than the person who would follow the pure Quran and pure Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and if Allah had wanted he would have made all of you one ummah could have made all of you singular right, that's just one deen and that's it, one deen comes, one prophet comes, one shriya comes, one manhaj comes but ولكن ليعلموا ولكن ليبلوكم فيما آتاكم. But rather, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala wants to test you by means of what was sent 
i.e. to each of you, your respective communities. So to test the Jews in their context and circumstances of history by means of challenging them to follow their scripture, Torah, and their prophet, Musa salam. And that was the whole context of Fir'aun and that whole story. To test the original Christians by means of what? That their test was, can they follow their original scripture in jail? And their prophet, Nabi Islam, and there were certain contexts and circumstances to that. And then now, for Sahabi Ikram, to test them in this, can they come out of pre-Islamic ignorant Arabia and follow the Quran al-Kareem and follow Rasulullah wasallam, and then to test all of humanity from Sahaba Ikram onwards until the end of time, the same test that will they be able to follow the teachings of Quran and the path of Sayyidina Rasulullah wasallam. So what is that? What did you learn here then? If you go back to the Shara'atum wa Minhaja. So yes, they were different Sharia, different laws in previous prophetic communities, but the Sharia of Sayyidina Rasulullah will be everlasting in the day of judgment. And every human being from now on will be tested on the basis of what? On the basis of the shir'a, sharia of Sayyidina Rasulullah and his minhaj on his sunnah. Right? Fastabikul khairat. Therefore you should raise it means you should each try to precede one another. So you should try to hasten and race to what khirat, to good, to all that is good and all that is virtue. jamia, and to Allah Taala, all of you will return. And Allah Ta'ala will then inform all of you about all of that uh, concerning all of that which you differed in. All right. Okay, this was verse number uh, 48. Now we move to verse 54. Here comes the Ya Ayyuhalladina Amanu. Right? Verse number 54. Ya Ayyuhalladina Amanu, O you adopted Iman. May yartadda minkum andinihi. Whomsoever amongst you reneges, turns back, disavows from their deen. Hmm? So this is the word that is used. What yartadda, and the person who does this is called murtad. This is apostate, right? So whoever apostatizes, whoever renounces their deen, whoever turns back and away from deen, fasofa yatilahu bikomi yuhibbuhum wa yuhibbunahu. Then what will happen? Then soon, surely, Allah Spalta will then bring forth another people. Another people, another qawm, another people, another community. And what will their status be? Yuhibbuhum wa yuhibbunahu. That he, Allah Ta'ala, loves them, yuhibbuhum, and they love him, wa yuhibbunahu. What does this mean? This also makes it clear that if you renege on your iman, you betray the love you're breaking not just the bond of Iman or the bond of Ubudiyah. You're breaking the bond of love that exists between a believer and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who's adopted Iman. And what does it also mean that once we, if now the beloved a person leaves Islam, there will no longer be muhib, nor will they be mahabub. There will no longer be the lover of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, nor will they be the beloved of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah is also making it clear that even if people leave deen, they cannot harm the deen. Allah will raise another group. 
Allah Ta'ala will give hidayah to another group. Allah Ta'ala will bring forth another group. And that group will be so strong, they will be His everlasting eternal lovers and His everlasting eternal beloveds. So it also makes it clear for us what is the goal and end and height and climax and apex of deen is to be the muhib and mahbub of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To be the lover and the beloved of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay. Then Allah continues to describe this qawm. And also obviously it means what should mean you try to be. So Allah in this sense, in this verse, is describing who the ideal believers are. So the other, it's a polar opposite. So one extreme is the murtad. That's the worst type of believer, the one who renounces their faith. In contrast, to paint the most uh, colorful or the most sharp contrast, Allah is describing the truest believer. And that's why this verse is important because it's telling us the character. Characteristics of those, super, those extremely true believers. The first is that they love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Second is that they're beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Third, al-mu'minin. They're humble. They're humble with their fellow believers. They're not arrogant. They're not proud. They're not boastful. They don't diminish someone or treat someone in a lesser way because they're greater than them in terms of financial status or social status, socioeconomic status. They're humble. Second, or third, kafirin, And they're stern with those who deny the truth and disbelieve in it despite knowing it to be true. They're stern with such people. So they're humble and soft and gentle with their fellow and kind with their fellow believers and they're stern. You can also call it their curt, their terse. Right? They're austere. They they don't give of their heart and their love and their kindness and their generosity to a person who knows the truth. Right? Lukum dinukum They disassociate. Right? Their next attribute is that they strive. I've already done this. They strive hard, make mujahida in the past, seeking the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa Next attribute. Remember before Allah said, Don't fear them, fear me only. So this person, they don't fear. They don't fear the blame of the critic. They don't fear criticism that people will level on them on the basis of their iman. They don't feel the reproach of anyone. They don't feel negative feelings of anyone. They're only and only concerned with the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And such is the grace and bounty and fuzz of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Means to become a person like that would be the fuzzle of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he grants that fuzzle on whomsoever he wills. Wallahu wasun alim. Indeed, Allah is all encompassing and all knowing. His knowledge is all encompassing and his awareness encompasses everything. So, this is our dua to Allah ta'ala. Allah ta'ala send this fuzzle on us as well and make us from those who love him and whom he loves make us from those whom he loves and who love him and who are humble and kind and soft and gentle towards the believers who are terse and stern and have austerity towards the non-believers who are those who strive and make mujahid in the path seeking his pleasure and may he make us amongst those who do not fear the reproach and blame and uh, of the critic and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And indeed your wali is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is your wali. And your prophet sallallahu he is your wali. And third, And they are your wali. 
Hmm? You have awliya, you have deep, intimate friends, companions, allies, protectors, guardians. First and foremost, Allah Ta'ala, second and the Prophet Sallallahu and third and all the believers. And again, who are the Allah Dinamanu? Allah Dinamanu, Yukimu, the Salat of those regulars, Tabis the Salah, wa Yutun the Zakah, who offer the Zakah, wa Humraqi'un, and they make Ruku, they bow down to Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala. They bow down to Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala. Right? So Ruku here literally means they bow down to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and some have said that this means that they submit themselves humbly to the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that they follow that sharia and that manhaj that was mentioned before. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَمَنْ يَتَوَلَّ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولُهُ Whomsoever takes Allah Ta'ala and His Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as their ally, as their wali, as their friend, as their protector, as their guardian. وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا And takes the, those who believe also as their wali. فَإِنَّ هِزْبَ اللَّهِ هُمَ الْغَالِبُونَ This is the Hezbollah. Then indeed, the Hezbollah, the faction of Allah, the party of Allah, the group of Allah, Ahlullah, هُمَ الْغَالِبُونَ They will be victorious. They will be victorious. Ya Dina Amanu, Lata Takhudaladina Takhadu Dina Kum Huzuban Walaibam Min Aladina Utul Kidaba Min Kablikum Wal Kufara Oliya'a that oh you who believe do not take those who have taken your religion in mockery, huzuban in ridicule, walaiban or they make fun of it, they 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 belittle it. They view it to be just a play. Don't take such people. From which people? From those to whom the scripture has been given before you or from the disbelievers. Don't take any such people as awliya'a as your protectors, allies and friends. Rather, wattakullaha in kuntum mu'mineen. But fear Allah subhanahu if indeed you truly are firm believers. And this for us to think about, we shouldn't have bad company. People who mock deen, ridicule deen, view due to be deen just to be very lightly, just to play, right? Laib, they just view... Deen to be a sport, or they make a sport, uh, or make fun of Deen, then we shouldn't uh, associate with such people. We should disassociate with such people, let alone far from it. That we should take such people as our awliya. When Allah Taala Himself has offered Himself and declared Himself that He is our wali, and the Prophet Sallallahu is our wali, and those who do believe and who do respect and who don't mock, they are uh, the wali. And when you make a call for salah, when you make the adhan, they mock it, right? They take it in ridicule and as sport and as just something to make fun of. And you'd be amazed that there's some, you know, I don't know what to call them. Would you call them secular, progressive, modernist, or maybe, you know, atheist? Allah alam what's in their hearts. But there's some... However, they view themselves or label themselves cultural Muslims who make fun of Adhan. And this is something I've witnessed multiple times in certain so called secular liberal elites in Pakistan. One person said, Oh, there's so many Adhan going on together. It's a cacophony. It's, uh, oh, and he was so upset. Right? Or they feel their sleep is being disturbed in Fajr. Or they say, oh, look at these people. They don't have watches. They can't tell time. Ajeeb. Hmm? Allah Akbar. And this is mentioned in Quran al And the Adhan is just emblematic of any act of deen, any practice of deen, any worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alright, now I'm going to go forward to verse number 63. Going forward to verse number 63. Alright, you don't have too many verses left for tonight. This is related to what I had showed you before. In verse uh, 44, which is about what the spiritual, the scholars of 
knowledge and people of spiritual piety should do. So Yara Ta'ala is saying what they didn't do, and that means that we should do that. If only their spiritual, virtuous, pious ones and their scholarly, learned ones had forbidden them from saying that which is sinful, and from them devouring and eating that which was forbidden. So what does it mean? This Again, Allah Ta'ala is showing us the ground. What's the role of the ulama and uliya? What's the role of the salihin and siddiqin? Is to guide the people and to keep them away from that which is sinful and even saying what is sinful and from devouring what is forbidden. This is the role of the ulama and the uliya. Okay, verse 67, now addressing the Prophet Rasulu, O beloved Messenger simply convey that which has been revealed to you, singular Prophet Muhammad from your Rabb. And if you, Prophet do not convey what has been revealed to you from your Rabb, then truly you have not conveyed your message. Means you have not fulfilled your messengerhood. Hmm? So this is how Allah even talks to Nabi Kareem that everybody has to do their duty. Everybody has to fulfill their role. Right? And this is also then a guide to us as well, that simply speaking, uh, you know, you just have to make da'wah. All you have to do is make da'wah, share Qur'an with humanity, share Qur'an with this ummah. First and foremost, the ummah doesn't even know. Share Qur'an with the ummah, share the sunnah and seerah with the ummah, explain the shara and manhaj, minhaj to the ummah, and then show it in its beauty and demonstrate its beauty to the ummah. And that's it. That's the duty. Is simply to convey it, simply to propagate it, simply to share it. All right. And then Allah Subhanahu wa says, "Wallahu yasimukum min nas And first, foremost, Allah Taala is addressing the prophets and the nasam here. That and Allah Subhanahu wa will protect you from the people. Means people who will be hostile to this dawa, people who will resist or be, have enmity. But the same is true for anybody who in niyaba, in following the prophets and the makes this dawa. That Allah will protect such a person from the people. In Allah. Indeed, Allah Subhanahu will not guide the community which is themselves chosen to deny the truth and has voluntarily adopted disbelief. Okay, verse number 69. Verse number 69. So this is an important verse and it's also important to understand it correctly uh, because there are some people who have a very grossly misunderstood the verse and have tried to spread that misunderstanding. Alright? So this is in the second last verse we're going to do tonight. We're going to do verse 69 and verse 77 and then inshallah we will have finished our selection of verses from just 6 and tomorrow we will start just 7 inshallah. Verse number 69 Inna amanu wa hadu sabi'una wa nasara man amana billahi wal yawmil akhri wa amila salihan fala khufun alayhim wa lahum yahzanun at first glance, this verse uh, suggests that all these people, all religious communities are all guided, right? Uh, and Allah said something similar in Surah Baqarah, Surah 2, verse 62, and we commented on it 
there as well. So, but let me translate first, uh, then I will explain. That indeed, those who have adopted Iman, and it's referring to Al-Ladina Amanu, who believe in the Quran and the Sunnah, and the Prophet Wasallam, and those who adopted Judaism, and the Sabians, which were another sort of uh, very small uh, community historically, what, and monotheistic community historically, what Nasara and the Christians Man amana, whomsoever believes in Allah subhanahu ta'ala and the last day and does virtuous deeds and righteous acts and adopts good character and behavior, there will be no fear on them and nor shall they grieve in any way. So some people pluck this verse out and and as if it's abrogating the entire Qur'an, and suggests that this verse alone suggests the validity of all religions still today. Anybody who's a Jew, and anybody who's a Sabian, anybody who's a Christian, and anybody in any way who believes in Allah Ta'ala and the last day, and just as good deeds, just three things. So there's no mention of Qutub, no mention of Rusul, no mention of Malaika, three things, they believe in Allah Ta'ala, last day, and do good deeds. That's enough, as long as a person does that, and there will be no fear on them, nor shall they grieve. So first understand a general principle that even, you know, is completely common sense for understanding any text uh, by any author, let alone the sacred kalam, kitabullah, spoken and uttered and revealed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is that you have to understand every part of that text in a way that reconciles it with the whole of the text. Right? And this is why the ulama of tafsir had this golden principle, Al-Qur'anu yufassiru ba'dhu ba'dha, that part of it is, explains the other part. There's a fancy thing called intertextuality. So this verse, verse 69 of Surah 5, Surah Tumayda, has to be understood in light of and in accordance with the entire, every other verse of Qur'an al-Karim. And therefore when you do that, it's clear that that's not what this verse can mean. All right. What Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was saying is again affirming the forefathers and origin of forefathers of the Jews and Christians at that time, the original Jewish communities, the original Christian communities. Right? So those who believe now, the original Muslim Sahaba Ikram and the believers and anyone from then on who accepts Iman and Quran and Sunnah and the historical, original, early Jews who truly followed the Torah and Nabi Musa Islam and the Sabi'un and the Christians who truly followed the original Injil and the teachings of Nabi Musa Islam, all of those Jews, Christians, and Sabians who believed in Allah Ta'ala and the last day and did good deeds, then there will be no fear on them and nor will they grieve. And so that's important that we believe that on the Day of Judgment there will be many original Christians and original Jews who will also go to Jannah. Alright? Whereas Jews and Christians don't believe a single original Muslim is going to go to Jannah. Okay, And in that sense, if you think about it, in this sense, Islam by its very nature is the most tolerant of all three Abrahamic religions. And I can't remember if I did this with you yet or not. Uh, let me, if I did it in Israel, I'll just do it again. So if you think about it, how will we define religious tolerance? So religious tolerance will be defined as how tolerant, what's your view of the other religion? You obviously tolerate them as humanity, tolerate them as your neighbors, tolerate them as colleagues, tolerate them as fellow citizens. But what do you think about their religion? So let's compare how does Islam view Judaism and Christianity, and how does Judaism and Christianity view Islam? 
Number one, Islam says that the God that the Jews and Christians worshipped is the one and only God, the same one and only God who we call Allah subhanahu wa Arabic. It's all one God. Jews and Christians believe that Muslims worship some other God whose name is Allah, but is some different God than the God of Musa al-Islam and Isa al-Islam. So our view of their religion is much more favorable than their view of our religion. Second, how do we view their scripture? Muslims believe, Islam believes, that the Torah, and I did this for you very, I tried to do it very strongly for you tonight, that the Torah, Old Testament, however you want to call it, the Torah, is truly revealed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to the original community and the Prophet Musa salam. Although yes, there may be some changes that have taken place since then, but originally our concept of it is that it is in its original form truly scripture. What's our view about the Injil? The same thing, that the Bible, New Testament, Gospels, how you want to call it, Injil, in its original form is truly a revelation revealed by God. What are the Jews and Christians' view about the Qur'an in its original form? Because our view was about the Torah and Injil in its original form. What is their view about the Qur'an in original form? They say the Qur'an is not the revelation of God and is not scriptural revelation. So who had a more favorable view of whose religion? Okay, now let's look at the prophets. The, the personalities, the religious personalities. Islam says that... The personality that the Jews value the most, Musa al-Islam, and the personality that Christians value the most, Isa al-Islam, that these two personalities were noble, were from the prophets, were the leaders of humanity, will be in Jannah forever, and we believe in their prophethood equally and in the same manner that we believe in the prophethood of Muhammad wasallam. What the Jews and Christians think about Muhammad wasallam, they say he's not a prophet. They deny his prophet, prophethood. They deny any aspect of sacredness to him. They deny any sense of religiosity to him. They say he was a completely ordinary human being. The best of them will say he was well-intentioned, social reformer, and others will say he's an outright liar and imposter. So if you look at, if you just put all this in a table, you'll see that the most tolerant uh, of the three Abrahamic faiths to the rest of the Abrahamic faiths is Islam. And that's what we did in verse 69, right? That Islam believes that the original Jews and original Christians and original Sabians who accepted their scripture and their prophet and believed in Allah and the last day and did good deeds, they will have no fear and no grief on the day of judgment. Whereas Jews and Christians believe that the original community, Sahaba Ikram, the companions of the Prophet because they didn't accept Christ and they weren't Jews, they will not uh, be, have salvation on the day of judgment. Alright? So this is what is going on here in verse 69. And the last verse for tonight, verse 77. Now Allah is addressing Al-Kitab. And I hope you saw that throughout this Surah Al-Maidah, the alternating addresses. Qul ya ahlal kitabi That proclaims Sayyidina Rasulullah to the Ahl kitab that, O oh, Ahl-Kitab, la taglu fi dinikum That do not have ghulu. Do not have extreme, excessive partisanship and delusional self-grandeur in matters of deen, in your deen. غير الحقي Other than that which is true. 
and do not follow the vain desires, whims, and fancies of a people. who went astray, min who went astray from before. and then they led astray. and they led astray many. And thus they strayed far. And thus they strayed from the straight path, from the right path. Alright? Now, this is the ghulu. That we can accept certain prophets, but not the final prophet. We can accept certain revelations, but not the final revelation. We can accept part of verse 69. The Jews will say, yes, we accept the part of the Jews being saved. Just finishing up, uh, verse number 77. Uh, that yes, we should not have ghulu, do not have excessive partisanship in religion, except that which is true. So to the extent that is true, yes, accept the truth of your scripture and your prophet, but do not have ghulu and partisan excessiveness that you deny the subsequent scripture and prophet that is sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Just because you're following the vain desires of a few people who viewed religion and religious truth as a means of a monopoly or a means of some social status or some types of privilege to the exclusion of others and therefore they do not want to embrace the next prophet and the next revelation and so they went astray and they led many others astray and thus they all strayed far, they strayed from the right path. And so this is a teaching for us also in this sense, in the following sense, that we should also not exceed in our religion. Right? Beyond what is haq. We should not have excessive extremism, ghulu. And this has also been a problem that historically and in contemporary times has afflicted the Muslim ummah. That some people, they take excessive and extreme positions. And therefore that leads them to excessive and extreme actions in our deen. And may Allah Ta'ala save our deen from such people. And may Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq to reflect and understand everything that we shared and learned tonight. And may give us tawfiq to learn and understand.